It's Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. Controversial right-wing radio show host Rush Limbaugh has died at 70. This means that in just over three months, 81 million votes got rid of one cancer, and then, ironically, cancer got rid of the other. Now, I'm not saying that Rush Limbaugh dying is a good thing, but you know someone was bad when upon hearing the news, hell put up a no vacancy sign. Last night in his Wisconsin town hall, President Joe Biden said that he was unwilling to cancel the $50,000 of student loan debt that most progressives are in favor of. No word yet on whether cancel culture will decide to cancel Biden for canceling the cancel. In a scathing press release, Donald Trump attacked Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, calling him a dour, sullen, and unsmiling political hack. In all these years, we thought Trump was actually in favor of hacks. Okay, maybe just the Russian kind. In an attempt to avoid blame, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said on Sean Hannity's show last night that if Texans think the statewide blackouts caused by the crippling snowstorms are bad now, they'd be much worse if a Green New Deal was enacted. Sadly, no Texans saw the interview since they have no power because Greg Abbott's inaction is much worse than threats of a Green New Deal are. Former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders told the New York Times that she doesn't like being called a liar. Of course, we're not sure if that's true since you can't believe a word she says. The crumbling former Trump Plaza Casino in Atlantic City was demolished in front of cheering crowds. It tells you a lot about a presidency when the guy leaves office with his name on fewer buildings than when he first got in. Britain's Prince Philip, who is 99, is now in the hospital after feeling, quote, unwell. The cast and crew of The Crown await further news in case a sudden script change is needed. Yesterday, Paris Hilton announced that she got engaged to boyfriend Carter Ream. Wow, you cannot imagine how funny the joke about this would have been 15 years ago when Paris Hilton was relevant enough to write a joke about. While promoting the Nicolas Cage film Willie's Wonderland, cast member Christian Del Grosso said being labeled as an influencer makes it harder to be taken seriously as an actor. Sure, but starring in a Nick Cage movie ain't helping things either. Now let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily Cast and Crew Roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Yellow, and as always, I'm joined by my TMI Daily crew. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by the host of the podcast, I Hate Musicals. And spoiler alert, we don't hate musicals. We love mm-hmm. musicals. Well, at least I do. I don't know about Chris. But anyways, uh, <laughs> let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to our TMI Daily podcast. Let's start with you, Pete. I um, I just want to offer my services as a comedy writer to any Texas Republican politician who's getting tired of saying, if y'all want to talk to me about global warming, why don't you come down to Texas? Because that line sucks and it's not working anymore. I could come up with a better one for you. Okay. <laughs> Elizabeth. Uh, you know what you can do if you're lucky enough to get power back as you can watch my show at flappers tomorrow at 7 p.m pacific go to flapperscomedy.com for tickets but also um 
there are a lot of sites to donate to help people in Texas because it is really shitty. A lot of them are freezing and in danger. So uh, do that too. Yeah, especially the elderly. That's yeah. why I feel the most for. Um, okay, Joe. Hi, everyone listening on Google Podcasts and a happy Ash Wednesday. Veronica, what is your favorite Evil Dead movie? <laughs> what? What's your favorite Evil Dead movie? It's Ash Wednesday. Jesus. Evil Dead 2 for me. I don't, I don't know what that is. This is a great thing. Uh, it's got to be Army of Darkness, man. Army of Darkness is my favorite. So Army everyone, go and watch your favorite Ash movie because it's Ash Wednesday. Also, oh, Pete, Pete, you're wide mm-hmm. open on on those Texas Republicans as a comedy writer because all the other ones have all have all uh, submitted to John Stewart. So you're okay. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, hey, what's up, everybody? Happy 17th day of Black History Month. Uh, sorry, Texas, that you're going through it, but a little bit of snow won't hurt you guys. You'll make it, dude. It's not a little bit of snow. They're like it's a little bit. There's freezing temperatures. There's yeah, it's things- a little. It was worse. We, here's the thing. Everybody's tripping out on Texas, but in 2011, when the Super Bowl was in town, the weather was twice as bad. It was like Chicago-esque weather compared to what it is right now. So, like, calm down a little bit, guys. Well, and, like, and, all I gotta say, and, all, and all I got to say to uh, all my black brothers in, in Texas is since it's snowing like mad right now, learn hockey so you can dominate another sport. So go ahead and learn hockey now while it's really cold and just dominate another sport. We already got black people in the NHL, baby. I mean, they're French-Canadian, but we still black. Are you still... all saying this show because it is Black History Month? I'm just saying, you know, hey, listen, don't, listen, don't. But here's the thing. Actually, don't do that, brothers, because we don't need another reason for white people to be pissed off at us. So, like, just leave hockey to them. Let them have fucking you know, hockey. It's a really great golf, opportunity. It's a really great opportunity to, to shoot. To shoot frozen solid pieces of rubber at white guys. So go for nah, it. Ah, fuck that. Because nah, <laughs> the thing, but you got to remember, but you got to remember, yes, that's the opportunity for us to do that. But you also remember that uh, fighting is allowed in hockey. Yeah, so they are. They're going to be gunning for motherfuckers. <laughs> that's what I feel like I'm being marginally into. <laughs> Think about it this way. Right now, hockey is the only sport where the locker room, everybody feels exactly the same. Nobody feels inferior to anybody else. <laughs> for now. Uh, I mean, that could change like that. Now, before we start, Chris, because I care, is your family okay in Texas? Oh yeah, they good. My dad is a my dad is a, a, a cop, so he's like super over prepared. So he's got generators going and shit like that. Like they good. <laughs> oh, good to hear that. Yeah. Okay, so let's start tonight's show. Last night, in this first town hall meeting as president, Joe Biden took questions on many topics like the pandemic, the economy, and the division in our country. One exchange about student loan debt has gotten a lot of attention today. Let's watch. Loans are crushing my family, friends, and fellow Americans. Me too. (laughs) The American dream is to succeed, but how can we fulfill that dream when debt is many people's only option for a degree? We need student loan forgiveness beyond the potential $10,000 your administration has proposed. We need at least a $50,000 minimum. What will you do to make that happen? I will not make that happen. It depends on whether or not you go to a private university or public university. It depends on the idea that I say to a community, I'm going to forgive the debt, the billions of dollars of debt for people who have gone to Harvard and Yale and Penn and schools, my children. I went to a great school. I went to a state school. Um, But is that going to be forgiven rather than use that money to provide for early education for young 
uh, children who are come from disadvantaged circumstances. But here's what I think. I think everyone, and I've been proposing this for four years, everyone should be able to go to community college for free, for free. That's, that costs $9 billion, and we should pay for it. And the tax policies we have now, we should be able to pay for it. You spend almost that money as a break for people who own racehorses. And I think any family... So this morning, progressive Democrats like Elizabeth Warren and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez put out statements asking the president to reconsider his position, with even Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer saying that he is in favor of canceling the debt. Now, before we get deeper into this conversation, do any of you here on the panel have student loan debt that you're currently paying off or that you paid off? Yes. I am currently paying uh, student loans. Yeah. Okay. Um, anybody else? No, super lucky that my parents covered undergrad. Um, frankly, I think not without a certain burden on them, but it was their like solemn vow to get you to undergrad. Because my mom calls it your ticket to the middle class. You get the college degree and you can do anything, even if you don't even end up doing what the degree mm-hmm. is for. My degree is technically English. I work in TV. Theoretically, I should have gotten like a telecommunications degree or, you know, some kind of technical degree, whatever. Um, But for so, so many jobs, I would just say college degree and it wouldn't specify. And so you could get your foot in the door and you could change careers and stuff like that easily. So that's why she was really focused on like getting me and my brother through undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, Chris, you were in the military. Didn't mm-hmm. they not help with yeah. college? Yeah, they did, but uh, only to a certain extent. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it used to be when, when the post-9-11 bill happened, you used to get four years covered. But as, you know, the war went on longer and more money was spent, uh, that it only, like, three years were covered. And since I went to six years of school, I had to pay off that on my own. So okay. they only covered for half. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think it's silly that they only cover three out of a four year. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I, yeah. I, think, I think that all that, that, that if you serve the country, you should get your full four years. That, that's I mean, my yeah, idea. it makes sense. But that's again, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we started a war in 2001 and it's, you know, 2021 and we're still over there. So there's a lot of money being spent. Yeah, but I, I know, if we I hadn't know, done but... that, we might have been able to forgive everybody in student loans and or send I mean, you to college yeah. for cheap in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. military. Uh, I, I, crazy. Think that that's, I think you, you serve the country, you go over there, the fight, stuff like that, you should get your full force. Yeah. That's my feeling. On I mean, listen, as long as my disability keeps rolling in, I ain't tripping. Uh, oh, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I that argument seems to be one major issue that separates the liberals from the ultra-liberals. <laughs> so what, why do you think that is? And when you answer, do you mind telling us where do you guys stand on canceling student debt? Now, before we start, like, I also want to say, like, kind of like, Elizabeth, what you were saying, I went to a state school because that's what my parents were able to afford. And they did, you know, help me with college. And, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And because, you know, being a first generation, um, you know, Mexican-American, it was a big deal for my parents for me to go to college. Um, that being said, I had the opportunity to go to a private college. I was accepted to my first choice, but, you know, the tuition back then was like $28,000 a year. I still remember that number. And my parents, you know, said to me, if that's what you want to do, we'll figure out a way to do it. 
But me personally, I decided they had already put me through private school from kindergarten through high school that I said, you know what? No, I don't want them to go into debt. I don't want it. And I don't want to be stuck paying for this debt later on as well. So that was my case. So again, that was, this is just my experience. It's kind of like what Elizabeth was talking about. So let's start with you, Pete. And then I want to go to Joe. I mean, right away, when when you you, you talk about the progressives, the ultra left. I, by the way, I, I also don't like the fact that you have to be so far to the left to be referred to as progressive, because I think right. people that are liberal can be progressive. We can yeah. all be very yeah. progressive because we can have yeah. progressive ideas. But I think that what's come, what, what's happening with the ultra liberal side of the of, of the Democratic Party is that they've reached this this point of entitlement, which which goes so far beyond like any rational sense of like of, of what's fair and what's not fair. And and I think that that's why there's this chasm between the two sides, because I consider myself to be, to be very liberal, but I'm nowhere near like AOC liberal because I, like using her logic. If I said, well, you know what? I, I'm out in Hollywood. I'm trying to be successful in entertainment. And they say, you know, in order to be successful in entertainment, you have to look like you're successful in entertainment. So I should get a Ferrari and and the taxpayer should pay for it because that helps my career. Right. I, I mean, I don't see that as being any different than somebody saying, well, yeah, I had to go to college in order to get a good job, you know, because it's essentially the same thing. College, unlike healthcare, is is a luxury. Mm-hmm. College is a luxury. You you choose whether or not you really want to go and need to go. And if you choose that you do want to go and you want to spend the money, you then have it's like a vacation. You can go to the shitty Holiday Inn, or you could stay at the Ritz. But the problem is too many people want to go to the fucking Ritz and they don't want to pay for it now. And I think that's that's where I think like my liberalness kind of has a cutoff point because I'm like, you know what? When I went to college, my 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 parents, thankfully, they paid for it for me. But at the same time, if if they, if they said, look, you're on your own, I sure as fuck would not have gone to the school I went to because it was like $30,000 a semester. And and the reality of it is I wouldn't have put myself in $30,000, uh, uh, $60,000 a year debt just so I could go to college because realistically it wouldn't have made sense. I would have gone to a state school in New York and I would have, and I would have gotten the same education or better. And I would probably still be doing this fucking show that we're doing right now. <laughs> You know, before I go to Joe, I do want to say something that you just uh, you just mentioned healthcare, and I was reading today online a lot of people making the argument that you know getting a college education is the same thing as healthcare, and I'm sorry, but it's not. I, I disagree. Right? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's education. Yeah, no, it's not the same thing. But a lot of people, again, these progressive, ultra liberal left. Or keep saying it's pretty much the same thing. It's not the same thing. Joe. Yeah. So. Um, I actually in almost the exact same boat as you, Veronica. Um, you know, my, my parents uh, sent me to uh, private school, Catholic schools. I went to an all by Catholic high school. And then when college came around, I actually got accepted into St. John's. And my family was like, well, we'll try and figure out a ma- way to make it work. And I was like, no, I don't want you guys because they were both blue collar workers. And so I ended up going to the state school. Luckily, it was New Jersey. The state school is Rutgers, which is a really good state school. It's probably, you know, one of the better ones. But, um, you know, I I agree with um, the president. Um, You know what? Everyone should get the chance to go. So, like, I think everyone should be able to get a two-year college for free. Like we do out here in California. Out here in California, your two-year, if you go to a two-year city college, the, the state covers you. 
Um, so you don't have a problem. So you get your grades. We'll give you the two years. And then, see, now, if, if I would have done this, I could have done the two years in community college. My, my St. John's uh, acceptance was still good. So you could have gone two years and then transfer and paid the other two at St. John's. And as far as everyone's concerned, your four-year degree is from there. You know what I mean? Um, but my, I don't think that we should uh, necessarily go up to fifty grand. Um, you know, everyone they pick the school because of a name or something like that. I say that the college experience is not that much of a difference. I, I think you get just as good of a college experience at a state school. I think you actually get a, a really good college experience even in a two-year, uh, uh, you know, like a community college or a city college. I think that. And I think that's the most important thing you learn from it. Because I'll ask everyone in this room, who here is doing what their degree is? Give or take. It was an English with a film studies <laughs> Okay. Option. But I mean, are you at, like half the people that went there, they're not doing what their degree is because the world changes so much nowadays that, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that they learn is all, you've got to relearn things and all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I kind I totally agree with Biden on this. He'll give you the 10, he'll, he'll forgive it for 10 grand. But if you had to spend all that money to go to some fancy name just because they had a fancy name attached to it. Eh. Oh, and one other thing real quick. Pete, if you got a fake being Hollywood, you don't need a Ferrari. If you get a 2013 Model S Tesla, they're only about 25, 26 grand, the used ones. And since Tesla has not changed them over the years, there's no way anyone would know if it's not a 2020. So <laughs> go out and get yourself a cheap used Tesla. Everyone thinks it's new. Just make sure it has really nice condition on the outside. Roll up and be a producer, y'all. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I don't, I don't really understand the, the, the divide of it. But I think it's a lot of just, I think it's people who, you know, probably paid off their student loans and like had to pay it. And like now this is coming along. So they're just kind of pissed that they already paid all that money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which I would be too. Like if I was like a hundred grand in debt and I paid all this shit off and now all of a sudden you tell me I could have like at least saved 10 grand, I'd be a little upset too. But same token, I wouldn't stop anybody else's blessings. That's just, I'm not a, you know, selfish prick like that. But I do think though, uh, you know, 10 grand is a good amount because let me tell you, like that would literally clear out my student loan debt right now. If I already get that 10 grand, you know what I'm saying? And I'm pretty sure most people who uh, went to like, you know, state schools or like didn't go to like the highest level, like hardware or some shit like that, you know, that 10 grand would cut their shit, you know, down significantly. And I think, you know, honestly, and I would say even if you did go to a school like Carver, whatever, you know what I mean? Like if you worked your ass off, you know, from the time you were in grade school to high school and made sure you got the grades and you got in, you know what I'm saying? And maybe you didn't get a scholarship, but you had to pay the full thing. Like I would even go as far as say, give them 50,000, you know what I'm saying? Like for the, for the upper echelon schools that cost a lot more money as forgiveness, but you can't eliminate the debt completely because at the, at the expense of that, you're also putting people out of jobs. You're right. If you were to forgive everybody for student loan debt and, and take away, basically put everybody at zero, well, then all these people that work at these, you know, student loan offices would not have jobs and they wouldn't have a way to, you know, feed their families. And then you'd have more people on the street on top of people who are already on the street from this pandemic who haven't been able to work. So, you know, the idea that to, to, to scrap it all is great in theory, but it doesn't make sense economically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
That's I mean, and that's basically what it breaks down to. Because like the whole idea of you even going to school is that you can build your, you know, get to a better place economically, get a better job, get a good job, feed your family. So if you start taking all that shit away, then what? Okay, Elizabeth. I agree with some of the points made, but I am for the larger amount because it would, I think, greatly impact the current millennial generation that was told you have to get a college degree to have any job that's worthwhile. We won't hire you without one. Your wages will be bad without one and so on. And then they graduated into the worst economic depression or recession rather um, to hit them. People struggled to find jobs then and they've never been able to catch up since that started. Yes, we recovered, but wages and things like that did not recover. This is also the same chunk of generation that is being scolded for not buying homes and messing up the housing market, allegedly, and doing things like that. Getting, helping them in particular get out from under that mountain of debt would allow them to do things like stimulate the economy with money. Um, and also, I, I'm for it because Philip was making a point um, online, too, that I agree with. It's it's like a tax on poor people for wanting to do better. If you are incredibly smart and you're trying hard and you do get into a USC or a Harvard or whatever, but you have to take out this monumental loan to do it, to achieve a better degree and hopefully a better station in life, then fuck you for doing that is what, you know, basically you're being told. You are now settled with this like almost insurmountable amount of debt and mm-hmm. I agree that the like a two year like a two year community college thing to help you get over that hump and get to a four year. I think that's a great system. And I th- it's like to me, I'm like, why not both? I know. <laughs> Again, we spend so much on military and other things. No offense to the military, but we spend way too much on that. I'm not talking about slashing like soldier salaries or anything or benefits. In fact, we should do better with soldier benefits. Um, there's a lot of better ways we could be spending our money, and we don't. And then we yell at people for saying, hey, I would like some of that money that you're kind of wasting in a lot of ways. And it's a no, it's a bad idea. Right. So I I think it should be I still think it should be the 50 grand. And I think it would take a huge burden off of people, especially this age group that is absolutely struggling, struggling also too soon to take care of aging parents and the next generation of kids. They're sandwiched in the middle. That's true. Okay, Pete. You muted. You muted, my man. You muted. I couldn't agree less with what Elizabeth just said. Um, not not because you know I don't I don't understand. Well, no, no, no. I'm not. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick an argument. I'm just saying that, like, I, I, I understand that people that people came into the job market during uh, during one crisis. What about the people that came into the job market after 9/11? What about the people that came into the job market after after the stock market crash in 1989? Wouldn't 50 grand help all of them? Some of them are paying loans from back then. Here's the thing: there's been crises every generation, and people do one of two things: either they figure them out or they don't. And, and the problem is that, that where we've gotten to in this world right now is that we have to say that even the weakest people out there have to be able to figure it out. When the truth of it is, it's not, that's not the case because even when you give somebody that's already weak a, a leg up, nine times out of 10, they're not going to do anything for it. Like you're telling me that like, okay, if we get rid of their student debt, they're going to go buy houses. 
I say that's not true because they all say they don't want to buy a house. They don't want to get cable TV. They don't want to get a car. They'd rather go on Uber. You know what? It's like we, we talk about the generation, and, and it makes me crazy because it makes me sound like I'm an old man when I say this, but we talk about a generation of people that, that grew up with the idea that nothing they ever did was wrong, nothing that anybody ever says to them um, should touch them. They should be Teflon about everything because they're perfect, and now let's forgive their debt too. And the reality of it is they did studies of this, and, and I I was reading one of them today that said that the only people that will benefit from from forgiving that much debt are the rich people who actually went to went to higher you know to higher education schools went to, went to the to, to the to the elite schools went to the Ivy League schools but you know and that they, they would actually benefit like I, I forget how many times more than somebody that went to a to a lesser school now if there were no options. For, for students to go to anywhere but, uh, you know, a sixty seventy thousand dollars a year school um, or plus that, then I'd say, you know, you're right. Like, th- this is unfair. But there are a thousand different options. There are a thousand different ways for kids to go to community schools, go to state schools that are a lot cheaper. Um, and, and the reality of this whole situation is instead of giving giving somebody money for something that they agreed to pay for, why don't we take all that money and have the government go after predatory lenders and help the, help these kids sue those predatory lenders that that put them into loans they knew they could never pay back? See that I'd be in agreement with because I think that's I, a I, good idea too. Yeah, but but see, but that that's that functions in two ways. Number one, it gets rid of predatory lenders, but it also teaches you cause and effect. If you if you do something wrong and, and you get taken by somebody, well, okay, there there is an effect to it, but maybe there's some help for it. And and I just don't think just giving free money essentially to people is ever a good answer. Now, like the money that like people are getting for stimulus for because of the pandemic, well, that's because they can't help it. Everything about the student loan thing, people could have helped. They did not have to to, to rack up the the debt that they did. You know what? I got I got my degree in 1990, and I got to be honest with you. I think I've been asked about what I, about you know where I went to college. Maybe the first couple of years after I got out of college, and after that, it never even came up in conversation. I understand that, and I think that, but that's part of the problem to begin with. Is up until very recently, I'd say within the past maybe 10 years or so. People that was not made clear to people that there were other paths. It was either you go to college or you are, you know, working a dreaded blue collar job, which that's its own problem to stigmatize those kind of jobs in the first place. Yeah, but yeah. but do you see? Do you see like? If you want to, like right now, the, the Democrats have control of the presidency. They have the control of the House, control of the Senate. You know how quickly you lose that by by saying, hey, all you poor people who didn't go to college or couldn't afford to go to college or didn't want to send your kids to college, now your taxes have to pay for the kids that did. And you watch how quickly Democrats lose control of everything. Because this is one of those issues where where even somebody who's very liberal like me, I just don't get it. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, like I said, if people were hurt by predatory lenders, I'm all for going after those. And I'm all for there being some relief for those people. But when you tell me, like that woman who asked the question, she didn't just say $50,000. She said at least $50,000. And I guarantee you, if you asked her the real answer, she wanted the whole amount wiped away, which is what AOC is saying. She, doesn't, <laughs> she wants nobody to have any debt at all. Mm-hmm. Let me go to Joe, and then I want to ask the final question before our guest come on. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, the other thing would be, let's say we give him fifty thousand. Um, I'm against that. I, I like, like I says, I'm I'm behind what all the president said. Um, and then the next generation comes up and says, "Hey, where's our 50? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, like giving one group that, and then you're going to have to expect it with the other. 
I mean, that's why I like the president's ideas. He's going to give you 10, so he's going to help you, but you're not necessarily – You some people, it may wipe, wipe out their debt. A lot of people, it, it'll put a dent in it. But then he's also saying, hey, we're going to give everyone a chance to get the first two years. I think, I think you can And the other great thing about community both. college is that it's also – community colleges are also trade schools. So you can go and learn to be a police officer. You can go and learn to be a mechanic. And all that, and it's all taken care of. And I love that idea. And it's at nine billion dollars is not nine billion dollars. Is how how many tanks is nine million dollars, Chris? Nine billion, seven. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, to be to be clear, I I do like twelve tanks. I do like the president's plan. I just I understand some of where the like ultra liberal folks are coming from. I don't agree with the entitlement part of it, but I I think I think my arguments are made to have a have a point to them. Then. You know, and there's also something to be said about, um, and this is probably a whole different show, a whole different topic, but a private school degree is not always worth the cost. And I know that fact. I know that with, you know, people in my family, some of my former students, you know, that, you know, they're they're like, you know what, it's not worth the debt that I got myself into because I went to Stanford or because. It's also, oh, sorry, I didn't mean Sorry, I mean, well, that, no, that was it. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, I also agree with what Elizabeth is saying. It's like because you know a lot of the things that a lot of a lot of the uh, the way that people go to college now is because of how certain jobs are viewed socially. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jobs like a yeah. you know trade school job, being an electrician, being a mechanic, all these white collar jobs are you know socially looked down upon. And that's why all these people are going to college and getting themselves in debt and racking up more debt. And then they come out and end up becoming a mechanic anyway, because like that's mm-hmm. the only job available. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you hey, know, you have these hey, fucking racist Let me tell you people. right now, mechanics not, make some big No, no, no. Debt. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But your average student is not told that. Yeah, but your average student is told American is not told that. You know, everybody yeah, right. thinks they're supposed to be CEOs or like, yeah. you know, these high ranking jobs. So they go to college and do it. Everybody thinks they're supposed to be doctors or lawyers and shit like that. And it's like, First of all, a lawyer could help me fix my car. I guarantee you, if I ask a lawyer to change my oil, they'd be like, what the fuck? I can do these briefs real quick. But that's that's kind of the problem of the economy. It's like all these jobs are looked down upon. Then you hear people talk about foreigners coming over and doing these jobs. Well, that's why they're doing these jobs because yeah. Americans are, they think they're too, like, you know, too cool for school and can't do these jobs or like looked down upon or looked at as less. And it's like, these are the jobs that were fueling our economy. These are the jobs that were keeping people in houses. These are jobs that were allowing people to live the American dream. And the fact that we're not doing them anymore is the reason why we're failing. Right. Okay, so last question, guys, because the guests are waiting to come on. I just want a yes or no answer. Is this a no-win situation for Biden? So what do you think, Pete? Yes, it's no-win. He's not going to win either way on this one. Elizabeth, what do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's a no-win. <laughs> yeah. Joe? Um, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of think, I, I don't know. Uh, probably not a no win, but if he got, if he got what he wants, I, I'd say he won. Okay. And Chris, uh, I don't know if it's a no win, but I hope at least the 10 grand come through. Cause that'll help your boy out. Big time. I hope somebody wins. <laughs> yeah. If anyone wins, I hope it's people. If somebody who wins, if that 10 grand comes out and then he says everyone can have the first two years. I I I I I'd love that. That's, That's a such a big change that would in America. And I'm sorry I mean, that progressive that progressives won't like it because yeah. I I'd, I'd be giddy. I'd be okay. the president I'd be anyway. Is- I think we can all agree, though, that the yeah. cost of higher education, that's the real issue. That yeah, is. that's the real issue. Okay, that so is. let's get our guest on. <laughs> the lockdowns caused by, caused by the pandemic has definitely given people a new appreciation for theater since we're forced to go without it, at least in my case. For most, musicals are probably the first and in many cases, the only introduction people have to theater. 
Our guests tonight host the podcast called I Hate Musicals, in which they discuss musicals that get produced over and over again and are not holding up. So in their words, they break down these problematic musicals so we don't have to. Uh. Megan, Kyle, and Chantal. Hi, can you guys hear me okay? Hi, everyone. Yeah, you're yeah, great. Yeah. Um, thank great. you. First and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, well, so, thank you for having us. You're welcome. <laughs> so I have a few questions for you first, and then I'm going to open it up to the panel. So before we get started, I want to clarify, although your podcast is called I Hate Musicals, you actually don't hate musicals, correct? <laughs> exactly. We started it because we actually love musicals a lot, and we see a lot of really problematic musicals getting produced over and over and over again, and want to talk about maybe why that is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's what actually drew me to your podcast, because I love musicals. I'm a total like musical fanatic. But mm-hmm. then I said, wait a minute, they hate musicals. Then I looked into it. And I said, okay, they really don't. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> tell our audience about your podcast. You know, what do you talk about? And you know, how did this idea all come about? Did you know each other ahead of time? So go for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <essentially. laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did. We did know each other in, in kind of our main theater community. And this really kind of spurred uh, right when the pandemic hit and we were kind of taken aback and thinking about theater in a more critical sense. Like we love it so much, but there are clearly some problematic things that need to be brought to light and talked about. And I'm glad that we can hold the platform to do that, be it in the BIPOC community, the queer community, and just hopefully holding that space and that air that we can talk about it respectfully and have these deep, meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. It was kind of stuff we were all talking about already, but we decided to <laughs> talk about it in a public way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think the idea started with Megan. Um, we were doing a production of the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged Um and we were just kind of on the topic of, man, I love this show, but we just saw this production and it was just oh, really poorly cast, really racially insensitive. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And we went off for about 20 minutes. And Megan's like, we should talk about this, like really talk about this. And it kind of spurred from there. And it's become this project that we've been talking about for so long. And to see it on its feet, it's really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me ask you, what would be a good example of a musical that most people would know um, that in your opinion doesn't hold up in the way expectations would think it would? I think our oh, first episode, um, Grease, yes. is a really <laughs> yeah. good example Absolutely. That's what my dad said after I watched the movie. He was not encouraging that. He was just like, this is uh, because the woman changed for the man isn't that great Mm -hmm. Uh. like kids are doing that a lot in high schools especially locally so we're like oh no (laughs) i did grease in high school i also did grease in high school i think it's really funny because we did a i wrote a sketch about it when we had our musical episode and they were like kanicki are you advocating beating women yeah and all the parents are like oh you yeah, did this is yeah. the whole thing. nice <laughs> yeah. oh. 
Yeah, I was I was Jan, and I'm still losing that Twinkie weight till now. So it's like it's on the love handles, I'm still there. You went all in. Like, Twinkies I, I, don't decompose. I have terrible. They really don't. I thought you're, you're beautiful. They you're just... fine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so there's a lot of people who think that when you say the term musical, that encompasses everything from My Fair Lady and West Side Story to Hamilton and Avenue Q. Now, there are different types of musicals. Um, are you guys more like traditionalists or do you like the shows that break with tradition? What do you personally, oh, how do you personally feel about this? I love the shows that break tradition. Um, it's always, uh, the, I don't know if any of you have seen David Byrne's American Utopia, but that's yeah. a beautiful example of, of a musical that completely breaks the bars. I mean, he's he's taking a lot of songs that he did with the Talking Heads and and generating this beautiful amazing diverse band and and just creating space with these musicians in like a mobile thing but like there's also kind of a plot it's 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 confusing and beautiful and barrier breaking and i love that sort of thing mm-hmm. what about you chantal and kyle yeah, for me personally, I mean, I I grew up around golden age musicals, but seeing the uh, how that's being built up more and including more POC people and kind of shifting towards contemporary light, it makes me really happy. Like, I really love the revival of Oklahoma. I think what they did with that was spectacular and how they casted a black woman as the main heroine and how it talked about her time in the South and how that was hard for her in a predominantly white community. And I thought that was a beautiful rendition that they did to talk about these golden age musicals and putting a light on it. That's like, Hey, these are kind of problematic, but let's actually perform it and show why, which I thought is, I I love that. Okay. Kyle, what about you? Um, I am a strong believer in the church of Stephen Sondheim. That is where <laughs> I send my prayers and my homage. Um, so I, I love your classicals and I love contemporary musicals. Um, in college, um, I was introduced to a play we did called, it's a long title, but it goes by Marat Saad, um, by Peter Weiss. And it's a play with music. Um, and it's a, it tells the story of a real life thing, the Marquis de Sade, while in the asylum at Charenton, would direct inmates in plays for the rehabilitation. So it tells the story of Marat Saad through that lens of a play within a play. And you kind of watch the inmates break down and the end of the show is this 30 person brawl um, just to kind of show the kind of breakdown in the politics that we've been talking about. Um, and that kind of introduced me to more than just your traditional musical. And I am just, I've become a lover of all since then. Now, has there ever been a musical that you've seen that, like, you went into it and you were going to go watch it and you, you thought it was going to be okay and it just exceeded your expectations and it just, like, blew you away? That happened um, when I went to see Come From Away. I did not think it was going to be as amazing as it was. And it's by, by far one of my favorite musicals of all time. I, I, I was blown away by it. I had no expectations of it. I just thought, oh, okay, it's, it's, it'll be okay. But it really was spectacular. Have you guys ever like felt anything like that when you've seen? Oh, yes. yes. I actually, the last thing I saw before quarantine started, I was in New York auditioning for grad schools and I got a rush ticket for Come For Away. So I know what you're talking about there. Um, 
but the one that really got me, Jonathan Larson, um, before he died, he had actually penned a second musical called Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, which was autobiographical. And it was just a three-person show, and it was being done. Um, I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, and it was being done at this little Ricky Shack theater. I'm like, okay, let's see what this is all about. And some of the things they talk about when he talks about his best friend being diagnosed with HIV and progressing to AIDS, when um, the female character, Susan, sings Come to Your Senses in Act Two, and you just see all of that connecting. And it's just the, the stress of turning 30 in the year 1990. And I recently entered my 30s. <laughs> and oh, does that musical hold up? Yep, yep, same. <laughs> Miranda doing the movie? Uh, the Tick, Tick, Boom movie, they're doing a... Oh, they know? are? That's, I um, heard something about that, or I read that. Yeah, he did do recently, he did do a workshop production of it before oh, okay. the pandemic. Um, <laughs> if if he is doing the movie, though, I'm going to see it. Like, uh, oh. Then, but I did read he was uh, doing something with Tick, Tick, Boom, and I, I got yeah. so excited. I believe Lin-Manuel Miranda may be working on a movie of it for mm-hmm. hopefully this year, but we'll see what happens. Heaven help me. <laughs> it, it, uh, I Googled it for everybody. Uh, Netflix. God uh, bless. Thank it. you. Oh, don't let Ryan Murphy anywhere near it. I was going to talk about <laughs> speaking of Ryan. You get out of here, Ryan Murphy. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so I'm just, not sorry. I, I watched, I watched the prom on Netflix and I was like, what is, what is happening with this? And I immediately stopped it and I found a, the whole show on YouTube before they took it down. And I was like, it's going to be bad. It's going to be, it's like a, it's like a queer movie for straight people. It's going to be a queer musical for straight people. And I watched it and I loved it. (laughs) It was maybe I haven't seen theater in a very long time, but it was just kind of like the happy, pure serotonin I needed. And they actually took out a lot of the lesbians in the show in the, in the movie. Like it was mostly around them and they just replaced all of it. And I was like, that stinks. But that show definitely blew my expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie yet because I've heard like just stuff. Yeah, they, they, yeah. If I may fuck that up. <laughs> I have not seen the show, but from what I understand, I'm all set with without Horton playing gay. Like I'm not here for that. Just purely is he playing? Is he playing though? Yeah, he is. It's it's (laughs) bad. Remember, like in the '90s, where there was a sassy gay friend. That's what he's (sighs) doing. Yeah, and uh, this is all without my having seen the show because I'm here in LA. I can't uh, get to New York as often. Uh, or ever. Uh, <laughs> I'm holding out for Music Man 2022. We'll talk about that in the Q&A section. <laughs> oh, heck mm, yeah. I'm holding out for Hades Town anytime. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the show itself is is was amazing and beautiful and hopeful, but the movie was a thing that happened in our timeline, for sure. Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> That's why I, I liked the girls, though. I liked the two. Yeah, the, they were great. They were good. Okay, so I have one final question before I open it up to the panel, and I am so sorry I have to go there, but I must. Thoughts on Cats the Musical? <laughs> we have an episode out on it. Did you? Did you? Not the movie, the actual musical. I actually okay. fell asleep during the musical. I've never done that in my life. <laughs> so <laughs> we did do an episode on Cats. Um, I and- love. <laughs> it, it it's it, uh how how do i explain it, it, guys? it. <laughs> we, we are 
it's, we had a hard time with it. It was actually one of our shorter episodes because literally it was like, I, can I swear? Yes, yes we can swear. It was literally the whole time we were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what? Wait, you what tell me you didn't feel jellical? You don't feel jellical? I don't feel jellical in these bones. Listen. Jellical cats, jellical dickheads. Come on. The, oh, Come on. God. I mean, really. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the consensus the three of us came to is that it is meant to be a dance show. Um, it's meant to be a dance show. And, uh, d- you know, just because it is a thing that pops into your head doesn't mean you need to write it. I'm just saying Kimmy Schmidt told it best. It, that's what it's for. You know, that's what I really think Cats is about. It's just, it's a whole, like, pyramid scheme type thing from Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, but, like, it's a, it's a, it's a product of its time. Like yeah. Andrew Lloyd oh. Webber and all that. Well, it's you so know, 80s. It's just, oh, yeah. Because yeah. I, yeah. I, I make the joke now. That it's like, I'm so glad we have Lin-Manuel Miranda because can you imagine if Andrew Lloyd Webber, like, like he like pitched Hamilton? It's know. like, it, it, it's great. It's going to be all about the Revolutionary War, but all the cast members are on BMX bicycles. <laughs> I, will, I will happily buy tickets to see what would occur. It'd be like Spider-Man off the yeah. It'd just be people like falling over. Oh my god, that's so good. I mean, oh my god. Cats is one of my favorite what happened years ago to make this problem happen. Um, so Andrew Lloyd Webber is notorious for being bad in tech rehearsal. He hate how he hates how long it goes, and he gets very stressed out, and he screams at people, and he leaves. Um, so during Evita on the West End, the um, uh, balcony kept breaking down during "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." So to calm himself down, he started repeating one of his favorite poems from childhood: "McCavity's a mystery cat." Yeah. He was also not feeling. Uh, not having a good relation with Tim Rice, his lyricist at the time. So he decided in that moment, you know what would be great? Work with a lyricist who's dead. So he pulled out, like he pulled out the book by T.S. Eliot. And that's, that's what inspired him to make that show was the technical breakdowns of Evita on the West End. Wow. And you know what? That's Tim so Rice is well. fine. He found Elton yeah. John. It's all going to be yeah. okay. <laughs> how the hell? How the hell? Like, with me for dead TS. I'm going to write this music. Fuck you. <laughs> like, how the hell? Like, like, he would get angry like that? Like, Starlight Express. It's like eight people have broken a hip. I don't care! <laughs> Ooh, my <laughs> favorite fun fact <laughs> about cats, though. This, this I actually broke Chantal and Megan with. Um, yeah. Do any of you know who the original Grizzabella the Glamour Cat was supposed to be? Because Elaine Page only had two weeks of rehearsal i learned this because the movie came out judy dench dame judy dench, dame judy dench. Was the she got her cat's originally. revenge baby <laughs> Wait, yeah. did she know because <laughs> i saw a human hand in that movie oh, i saw i saw more and than a human hand i saw I sneakers in that movie you, you are all aware that there is a cut specifically with the cgi the butthole the butthole cut right? yeah the butthole cut, cut. That, <laughs> we talked about that a lot. That's amazing. It's it's crazy. I did watch it's it amazing. in uh, in an altered state. I don't recommend. <laughs> we should have. We my mom and I went because we are musical fans, but also like a little cynical at the same time. Uh, you gotta be. The movie was great though because you know what got people fucking going. Uh, magical Mr. Mistopheles by like yep. the eighth repeat of that chorus. <laughs> People were like swaying back and forth and had the cell phones out like lighters in our theater. And I... people were just <laughs> losing it left and right. Un- like everybody came in and sat down like, 
all right, we're all gonna like we're strangers, but we're all gonna try this together, right? And everyone's like, yeah. And then you know, two minutes in, gone. Everybody was losing it. <laughs> Veronica, no. thank you so much for this question. This has been, <laughs> <laughs> this has been wonderful. No, it's it's nice to relive this. But you know what I love about the whole thing is that, like yeah. we're talking all this shit about cats, but I looked up Andrew Lloyd Webber's in, uh, uh, net income; it's like one point two billion. So He's like, I'm really laughing. Oh, yeah, crying himself to sleep. He's like, like, oh no, you didn't like it. Oh, he's like, why did it steer me? Like hundred dollar bills. Like, oh, you yeah. pores. Oh, Get out. how dare you? <laughs> you saw yeah. it anyway. Thank you for yeah. the Him and, and Bezos can right go fuck off to their own island and leave us alone. Thank yeah. you so much. Goodbye. Wait, wait, wait. No, we already have that with Epstein. We don't. We'll start another island. Let's, oh, leave, no. let's leave the islands oh, alone. No. Let's leave don't the islands that. alone. Don't do that because we're going to end up with Amazon doing. the musical. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> there's, already, there's already Emoji Land the musical. <laughs> That's. Wait, what? Time. Yeah. Time in your hands. Look it up. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Like that. <laughs> Uno movie coming out about the card game. Uno, there's a movie coming out. Yes, there no, is. There isn't. Yeah, there. No, what? I hate it here. <laughs> yeah, I think like Little Yachty is one of the producers. Little Yachty. I wouldn't believe Chris on everything because we we've learned over time that he doesn't know anything about musicals. So. I don't know if he's, <laughs> about to think he's failed the musical. I don't know if Uno's gotcha, gonna gotcha. be a musical, but I know it's a thing. Yeah, I'm, oh, sad, I'm sad our actual musical expert Emma is with, not with us. With today. the exception of Chris, um, we all had tickets here. to a musical that all got canceled because of the pandemic. Oh, with the exception no. of Chris, so we're all waiting for yeah. it to start back up because hey, we all want to get my, back. Mine was uh, I was supposed to see Hugh Jackman in The Music Man in 20, November of 2019. No, sorry, 2020, my bad. Um, and I was like, and. Not to be dramatic, but I was sick of stuff. Not important. But I was like, this is going to be my comeback. November, baby. And then guess what happened? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we got my life. We got the updates and it was like, oh, it's uh, June 2021. And we we're like, all right, all right, all right. And then okay. they're like, just kidding. March of 2022. And we're like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, still okay. good, still good. Yeah. Apparently, the trouble in River City was great. Good shot this time. I was like, fingers crossed, baby. Uh, I actually might try to upgrade my seats. Um, but speaking yeah. of that, um, that one's got you know its issues, but like I'm not, I don't care. Uh, Hugh Jackman's my... got issues. The way he acted during Les Mis is just appalling. Really? That's, that's Hooper's fault, man. Yeah, I'm he, blaming that on no, Hooper. I'm blaming that on Hooper and Russell Crowe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Russell so I- Crowe was actually in an 80s band I don't know if you knew this so like he can yeah. sing he just doesn't he also happened? had like eight no th- there's actually a whole thing on this he actually had like eight different vocal coaches that were telling him eight different things oh, shit. so when okay. your voice is being pulled in that many different directions of course you're gonna sound like shit yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, saw, I saw the boy from Oz, which is a dumb musical. I'm sorry, it it does not make a whole hell of a lot of sense as like a musical story. My mom was like, I was alive when Peter Allen was around. She's like, I didn't. His life was not that fascinating. Okay, <laughs> like, okay thanks, mom. <laughs> She's like, I'm just saying, I lived through it. Wasn't that thrilling? And you're like, okay. <laughs> but we went and saw it because I love Hugh Jackman, and um, 
even my brother admitted he's like god damn it that guy's good he's like my brother does hate musicals and he was like man he fucking got me the whole time son of a bitch is talented um also but, the pants he was wearing too right I, those pants i saw him at, i also okay. went saw him at the <laughs> super fan guys we saw him at the hollywood bowl and uh, i i every time i watch greatest showman i always joke i'm like i just want to chase the same high that he's getting off of doing musicals i just want to feel that joy <laughs> you just want to feel that i that need to feel that level of joy in my life i would like to feel the paycheck he's getting Sorry, to my actual question, is there a musical that is produced a lot that you do feel holds up or like is yeah. Um oh boy. I think (laughs) let's see here. I'm trying to think ones that are produced a lot. Um, Another one I could kiki on ones I hate with you guys for hours. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think one that is why we're here. One we did recently, um, a company by Stephen yeah. Sondheim. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, it is definitely a product of its time from the 70s, mm-hmm. but you can, with a good director, you can still look at it through the lens of the friends he's seeing and the relationships he has are problematic, and that's mm-hmm. the point. Like, that's what we're calling out. That's what Sondheim is discussing. Like, oh, these relationships are problematic, and we want to avoid being those people. Um, mm. But I think that's one that has its problems and is definitely a, uh, a a product of its time, but still can be produced today and still does hold up. You just need to direct it properly. I'm going to jump on the Sondheim train here. You're welcome, Kyle. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say Into the Woods. Mm. I mean, mm, it gets yeah. done enough that, like, yeah. it's True. it's it's a classic twist on... It's a classic fairy tale story, but mm-hmm. with so many fun little dark and and evil twists. I I think that, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some... Oh, God, that wolf bit. The, uh, um, <laughs> it's like, you know, you're going to chase a little girl in the woods. Oh, uh, I, I, watched, I watched the... I think it was the original production when I was in high school. We we watched a video of it and mm. the wolf costume had like an anatomical uh, yes. member. Yes. Penis. Yeah. A penis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a penis. <laughs> um, and that made it all the more horrifying. So um, apart from that, wow. I definitely think Into the Woods holds up. <laughs> uh, I guess for me, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, Avenue Q. You can, it's literally. Oh, hell yeah. It's so good. I love the humor in it and it can tr- be transferred to any time. That's fair. Don't yeah. hate me. I still look. He loves Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I know it's wrong. I just my Christian to... school did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, my Catholic, my Catholic no. school did Fiddler on the Roof. So you know, all of our schools oh, oh should be hey, punished. We, we did, uh, my Catholic school did uh, South Pacific, and we did Greece. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, oh boy. Yeah, we were an all boys Catholic high school too, so that was a real interesting uh, performance. <laughs> original theater, solid. Yeah. Original, original theater. theater, OG. That's I love it. <laughs> Go ahead, Pete. Hey guys, um, I just wanted to ask. So, so when you're when you're kind of like going through these musicals that that you, you don't think have held up over time, is there still at least the caveat that they're they were very good musicals maybe at some point or at least some of them were and that maybe just as time has passed you know they they, they kind of have a different uh a different message now than they might have had before because like I, like I I had this thought when I I saw Rent back when it first was on Broadway and and at the time it was probably my favorite show ever and then I saw Rent again about two years ago, and I walked out of the theater thinking, "Oh my God, what a bunch of entitled douchebags!" <laughs> <laughs> and I still, and I still love the music. I still love the yeah. music. Actually, I, 
our next okay. episode coming out is Rent. So. Yeah, it's, just, it's like it's one of those shows where you're like, at the time, maybe because it was it was you know it was still more prescient about the AIDS crisis and about um, about some of the issues that were happening. And I, I was I'm a New Yorker and I was in New York then. That it felt more like okay, well I understand it. We're going to stick it to the man, all that stuff. And maybe because I was also younger at the time, but man, like seeing it now. It just it just takes on a different effect, and like I wonder, yeah. like in ten years from now, when when you see like a bunch of white kids doing Yorktown from Hamilton in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, it already happened. Don't put that people out there. No, but yeah. it's like, but that's like, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, like can you can you, can you when you when you have these conversations, can you at least like admit going in? Well, this was like you know, in form and factor, it is a good musical. It's just that it just doesn't have that same that same value today. Because like, I I think Greece was a good musical, but yeah, yeah. the message doesn't stand up till today's standards. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And I, that's what we, we got all Kyle kind of, for. <laughs> I was going to say, we all have kind of specific roles in the show. We all talk about things, but we've kind of based ourselves off of like one faction of it. So I'm the historian of the group. That's my jam. I love academia. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we were talking about, oh, what shows were we looking at? Um, but Greece was one of them. Greece yeah. was such an important story at the time. When it was written, a big trope in movies was the man changing for the woman. So they wanted to subvert that idea and switch it around to empower the women in that show. Um, so at the time, it was very big on that. And we talk about why it's called Grease. Um, and we, in our conversation, Megan brought up, there's only one song about it, and it's Grease Lightning or Grease is the Word. Well, Grease is the Word was so powerful because it was about, uh, I believe, it's Irish and Polish families living in that area of the country at the time. Um, they were not wealthy. Dads were usually mechanics or cooks. Moms cooked. Grease was in their hair. Grease was in the cars they worked on. Grease was their lives. That's why it's called Grease. And like looking at it from that historical point, it, it was a very important musical and very revolutionary. Just as we have progressed as society, those stories don't always join with us. Mm-hmm. The original, yeah. the show of Greece is a bit different than the. Everybody thinks of the movie first now, but there's a lot of changes that happened from the actual stage show to the movie. Yeah, yeah, and they took out they, a lot of stuff too, which was yeah. Crazy. Uh, strangely enough, that's another show I saw on Broadway when it was actually not not like in one of the later revivals um, where they toned it down for more for the um, for the film. Um, cause they, cause the, the original version of it was a lot dirtier, yes. a lot, a lot <laughs> of cursing in it. And, and it, yeah. de- it definitely was even more misogynistic than, than <laughs> what they eventually put out. And then every revival you see after it kind of, uh, it takes after the film instead of taking after the movie more. Right. Cause Olivia Newton John needed a song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel the same way about, uh, honestly, Book of Mormon. That was a huge musical mm. that came out in the time that gave a lot of POCs work but it's like going back and watching that now per se it's like oh shoot are these just caricatures and are we like being played as the funny stereotype that's kind of awkward <laughs> like we're more than the ugandan butt joke you know what i mean like so I, it's I kind think- of like recognizing it and and seeing it for what it's worth and being happy that it happened but also seeing how we can grow upon it I think every I think every character in there though is like a caricature. I, oh, I, I'll yeah. give it that. Like I think that's what makes me so. <laughs> it's like everybody's me being made fun of here. Nobody yeah. is getting out of this. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it was and it was really transformative for the time of of more uh, black actors working, which was awesome. 
but as as like kind of the times are shifting as as it does it's seeing how we can be more out of that box and i think as much as i love that humor mm-hmm. it's definitely being more stepped away from and being seen as people and finding like the actual joke joke and not just like oh one stereotype out of the park yeah and also yeah. like not just tokenizing <laughs> people in musicals anymore like mm-hmm. you know trying to find stuff that can be any played by anybody or or even stuff that's meant for like an entire poc cast like mm-hmm. hamilton for example you know like so many people are like oh i'm, I'm a sad white person and i can't do that and it's like okay you can do a thousand other things <laughs> and that's fine you know <laughs> listen as so much just, as like, i love playing uh, donkey and shrek uh, as much as I love being Eddie Murphy, I think I, I think it's it's time for the next step. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, does anybody else have any other questions or comments or anything else? Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and you are welcome to come back anytime and talk musicals. Awesome. Um, thank you so much. So, can you let our audience know how often do you put out uh, your podcast episodes, and where can people listen? Yeah. Oh, we put our podcast out every two weeks. We're actually dropping our episode on rent this Friday. Um, we can be found on Apple or Spotify or on our website, um, our theater company, polyphonictheater.org. Um, and yeah, we're so excited to have been on here. This was so fun. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much for having us. <laughs> yeah. We'd love to have you come back. Yeah. Talk you should come back <laughs> to our game shows. Yeah, oh, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be down. I'd be down. I'm so down. <laughs> <laughs> kind of addicted to games, so I'm there. Feel free to let me know anytime you want to come on. So thanks again for coming on, and hopefully we'll see you guys soon. Yep, thank the you guys so much. Have a great rest of your night. Good night. Good night. Bye. Okay, Pete. So you want to take over now? <laughs> oh, I I couldn't hear what you were saying. Are oh. we going to continue? Are we going to? It no, was, I was just saying that, like, fuzzy. Uh, you know, we, we ran a little long, so um, we had a whole big tribute that we want, we were going to do for Rush Limbaugh. Um, but since, since we kind of ran long, you know, who, who sadly died today. Um, oh, no, he died. Yeah. So, um, no, I just, I just. I kind of, I'm glad we talked about musicals instead. Me too. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, just, I just wanted to, I wanted Veronica, there's a que- one question I that we had on the list I wanted to ask you know, everybody, the, the question, which is when, when I heard he died this morning, I was fucking thrilled about it. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie about it because I just think, you know, like I, I originally, like we don't have the time to sit through this, but I, I put together a four and a half minute clip of just some of the incendiary things he said over time. I mean, some of the racist things doing like, um, like, like saying that the only people that sh- should feel, feel okay about slavery are white people. Um, or no, that shouldn't be, that should be responsible for slavery, white people talking, um, talking about, uh, Michelle Obama, um, clearly doesn't listen to her own health guidelines because look at how fat she is. Um, I mean, doing like, uh, and you're, like, and his not, voice and doing all that stuff. What? Well, sorry. You're not even bringing up like the worst thing he said. I mean, human being in every yeah. way. Wait, so, was Michelle Obama fat? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's like yeah. been like one of the most fittest. First ladies, like the most shredded first lady. (laughs) She was like Ed Delabasset. Yeah, I'm just curious to ask the question: like, 
Is there anything wrong with being uh, with being happy when somebody that's just a miserable fuck dies? Like, because because I know some people think, oh, you should never say anything bad about somebody that dies, but fuck him. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah, I mean, I I had like I saw the headline come through like my work email stuff, and I went, oh, all right, and went on with my day. I I will say I'm very lucky in the sense I've read so many people like that I know on Twitter and stuff like that, commenting that their family, they're saying their family member was like poisoned by this guy. They would listen to him and just take in all his bile and make it their own. And they felt like they lost family members to his crazy shit. Mm. And so when he dies, they're not, you know, even though they're, I, to me, I think they're good, kind people. And, and truly are in many cases like it th- that's how bad he was <laughs> it's you know if you think about how people reacted when when biden won and people are dancing in the streets like we saw all those celebrations here in la and across the country like don't live your life like a fucking piece of shit and people maybe people won't celebrate when you're gone yeah absolutely and i mean let's call you know let's call it what it is he was a racist yeah, the misogynist. Well, other things, a racist, a misogynist, just an asshole. Like, if you could be an asshole, this is who he was. Yeah, he was a terrible, terrible human being. And you know what? I, 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 I always say I never wish death on anyone, and I don't do that. But I honestly, you know, when I heard the news today, I was like, you know what? It was just like, like you know, I had to wish him well either. No, you don't. I felt, like I said before we started, I felt bad for the ground that stuck with him now. Yeah, and for people that are saying, you know, he was a father, he was a grandfather, an uncle. You know what? That I feel bad for his family members that they had this piece of shit as part of their family. That's how I feel. So fuck him. If that's how he was talking about people in public, imagine what he's fucking saying behind closed doors. Exactly. Joe. You know, I, I, I um, I'm a true believer of something that Keanu Reeves said a few years ago um, when they asked about, is there an afterlife? And what he basically said is we live on in the way uh, people remember us. Um, You leave a legacy in this world, um, whether good or bad or whatnot. Um, You know, people said, you know, it's not nice to say something bad about somebody who died, but he spent his whole life, his whole legacy saying something bad. And I said before the show started, when we were talking about, you know, there's people that are playing a character when they're doing stuff, whether it's both on the, on whatever side of the political spectrum or whatnot, they're they're playing, they go home and they're not that person that's on TV. You know, I I really want to believe that. It's a couple of people I I think are like that all the time. I think Alex Jones is always Alex Jones, but Mm -hmm. um, Rush Limbaugh, unfortunately was always Rush Limbaugh. And he would say all these vile things, but then he would do stuff and he would be like, do it as, do as I say, not as I do, you know, with, between his addictions and his, uh, you know, cheating on, uh, on people, on, you know, women and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and he was like that 24 seven. So listen, I may not say something bad, but if other people say something bad, it is because that is the legacy that, that he left. Yeah. That is how he will be remembered. So I want everyone to remember that that's how you, I believe that a hundred percent you live on by the way people remember you. So leave a footprint where people will remember you very well. Chris. Um, that's kind of my whole thing. Cause that seems to be, I've been, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, 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 
you know, brag or nothing like that, but I've been to other countries and it seems to be like American things. Like as soon as somebody dies, they become a saint, but it's like, how are they like, you know what I mean? It's like, okay. So they are, and it's always like, you know, okay. When they die, like, oh, you didn't see the, the side of them, like the sweet things they did. It's like, okay. But like, yeah, Hitler painted, but he still killed 10 million people. So like he's an asshole's an yeah. asshole. Like it doesn't matter if like they were nice and like or they talk about like oh he had a family and stuff like that. It's like okay he had family. Somebody had sex with him. But, like that doesn't make him a good person. You can still be an awful person and still be a father, yeah, still be a grandfather, still be an uncle, and all yeah. these other good things. Hell, you can still be an awful person and give the charity, but that doesn't mean that you're a good person. That means that you were probably trying to get a tax break. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? So like all this, that's the whole. American idea that like once somebody dies, like they all the bad shit they did just kind of goes away. It's just absurd to me. Like it doesn't matter, you know. Like there's a thing you can be, uh, 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 you can't be the wild races, but then like, oh, I donated to like Hurricane Haiti. Okay, like that doesn't, you know, you got to be doing more of that. Like if let's say you donated like a billion dollars to Hurricane Haiti, and then like one time you slipped up and said the N word like during the song. Okay, we can forgive you. But like he clearly wasn't a slip up every now and then type of person. He was like balls to the wall, complete and utter asshole. And so like, yeah, being sad about him, like I don't wish death on anybody, but like asking me to be sad for a person. I just, today I I was watching a lot of news coverage and you know what? And and although a lot of it did kind of delve into the controversial side of him, there was a sense of reverence because he died that I just wanted to vomit on because you know, when, when, when the, when the military killed Osama bin Laden, right. they, nobody went, well, you know what? Osama bin Laden's dead today. Like they were like, fuck yeah. Osama bin Laden said, and I can argue that because of his hate rhetoric, more people probably died because of Rush Limbaugh than because of Osama bin Laden. Well, and that's it, the part too. It's like, it's not, not only was he being, it's like, it'd be different if he was an asshole on an individual level or on a personal level, but like he's, he's on like, in a, he had a platform that he can spew hate and create more hate and more ways of hate. So like, we saw his hate on January 6th. He was as much yeah. to blame for what happened on the 6th of January as anybody. Yeah. You know, he helped create what Trump became. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And that's and that's probably the least of the horrible things he did. Yeah. Elizabeth, did you want to say something? I brain farted so hard mid-thought that I forgot what I was gonna say. Go ahead, somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> um listen, but also how far back does he go? He's one of the people that created the rifts that we have now. Because he was like, I can remember when people were like when Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton won. He was on the radio back then talking about this stuff. Like he started, he was like the 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 the, the, the guy that started the whole conservative talk movement in a way. Mm-hmm. Like he was a guy that really brought it into the fold. There may have been other people that were doing it locally or whatnot. He's a guy who put it on a national level years and years and years ago and started a, started us along this path, you know, and I, I can remember way back going, how come, you know, how come um, uh, the left can't do what the right does with it? That's because of him. It's because it was much easier to spew hate than to spew not hate. <laughs> and that's why there was never like a, a really good left side talk show. It was always him because all he had to do was say nasty stuff and he would, like I, I, he would resonate with certain people that felt like that they were being downtrodden and all that, and he was their spokesperson. But he did that many, many, many years ago, and and he's one of the people that led 
uh, us as a country to where we are now. So, and you can yeah. look at a person like, like I say, like a, let's say if Tommy Loren died suddenly, I would be sad about that because she's one of those people where you can tell she's playing the part. You know what I'm saying? Like oh she might God, be an asshole. You, no, I'm saying no. I, I understand you know that. Tommy Loren, I'm going to recycle an old joke I made to somebody let me, let me, else, but Tommy Loren is basically a Hey y'all, hey y'all. All I'm saying is. Is she is just she's not really I don't think she believes in half the shit that she put out. I think that she's more of a care like what Joe was talking about. I think she's more of a character. Like she made a lot of money being the pretty blonde white girl, America's like poster child for conservative, conservative white and shit like that. Because here's the thing, if she was that much of an asshole, she would have never spoken out about pro choice. So you can't be that conservative and also be pro-choice. It doesn't but make isn't that it just as bad though. If you're pretend oh, let me pretend to be an asshole. For, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, to me, it's just as bad. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, there's actors, there's actors that there's actors that spend their whole life playing one character, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the yeah. same thing. And 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 the whole point is that can you separate that character, right? Uh, and that's what I was saying. But but Rush yeah. wasn't the character. Rush was yeah. Rush. Oh, Rush, Rush was that person. Yeah, that. That's what I'm. What that's what I'm name, saying. Though. But yeah, Rush. no, there are people out there that do. Yeah, you know, conservative talk radio or liberal talk radio, whatnot, all that. But then they go home and they don't, they don't actually believe half the shit they spew. Yeah. Uh, they're playing a character, playing a part, and you know it's bringing them a paycheck, and and that's what it is, you know. And so, do you, I mean, do you know how many people actually believed back in the day that Stephen Colbert was actually talking about his stuff <laughs> yeah. on his spoof show, and people were like, "Oh yeah, that guy speaks my language." I'm like, you know, that's a character, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's the same kind of thing, but that wasn't Rush. Yeah. You know, no, I, I no, say the same really. thing. I think Alex Jones is the same way. You know, yeah. if it's different, he should he should tweet me and say, "Oh no, I, when I go home, I like you know, I I pet my cat and we watch uh, <laughs> we watch I Love Lucy." I don't think that happens. And he probably goes home and is exhausted. The way he ra- like the way Alex Jones rants, like he's got to be like physically. No, I read exhausted. I read a, I read a great article that was written by somebody who used to be one of his assistants, and he was like, uh, "No, he's like that all the time." Oh, like, wow. like like he has like a Hellcat challenger and he leaves work and he drives like really fast because he just he's like that all the time and he, he said he's wrecked two of them because he just smashes into people and he gets angry <laughs> he's the same age as leonardo dicaprio doesn't that freak anyone else out <laughs> hey, wait who well i just leonardo dicaprio uh, alex jones and leonardo dicaprio well technically he's fucked about as many people as leonardo dicaprio just in a different way <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe the same way i mean but i'll but i'll tell you you know what the, the the one good thing you got to take out of this is that you know his voice is now gone i mean through the uh, i guess through the criminal court system and the trials and and social media exiles trump's voice is almost gone you know, and, and, and you could say, well, there's going to be another generation that's going to come out from under them. It took 40 years to make Rush Limbaugh Rush Limbaugh. It took, it took you know, buildings and, and TV shows to make Donald Trump Donald Trump. There's, there, you know, there may be other people that try and, ample, you know, like. Yeah, but they got the Internet them. now, buddy. That's but, the but scary it's part. The, it's never going to be the same thing. I mean, I you know, know. With, if, if, if Trump is silenced because court cases keep him from opening his mouth, which is more than likely what's going to happen sooner than later, and, and you no longer have, have um, somebody like, like Rush Limbaugh around, that the really incendiary part of the, uh, of the far right is probably going to lose like a lot of its steam because they just, they, you know, who are they going to start listening to? The head of the Proud Boys? Uh, I mean, it's just, there's, yeah, there's Hannity. There's all these people on Fox. But oh, that's just, the day Q comes forward, baby. And we finally learn their identity. 
Hey, you know, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is playing a character too, right? Because we all know about the secret table in the kitchen of the palm where you eat meat, buddy. He says he says that he's a vegan, but there's a secret table in the kitchen at the palm where he goes to have a nice steak dinner. Oh, so nobody sees him. Oh, I, I thought that was something far more terrifying that you were trying to describe. It's <laughs> no, just a man no, having no, that, a that, steak. That, okay. not, no, that's the <laughs> Army Hammer table over yeah, at that's... Santana's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> White man Santa's, man. <laughs> no, but he has, a, he has the, meat, the meat table in the kitchen for at the palm, so no one can see any meat. Oh, I mean, a small... <laughs> Well, I just want to say that today, you know, we've been talking about this guy and yeah, he died, whatever. Um, and a lot of people say, you know, he, you know, you need to remember, you know, we're talking about him because he was a conservative radio host, yeah. but it goes beyond politics. It's like what I've always said about Donald Trump. It has to do with the human being. So, you know what, yeah. I do feel that Rush Limbaugh should be remembered and he should be remembered as the asshole who said he wanted um, that criminals resembled Jesse Jackson. Um, he also oh. played that nice song um, on his radio show, Barack the Magic Negro. He made fun of Michael J. Fox's uh, tremors when he had when he's you know when he talked about his Parkinson's. He said that the NAACP should do riot rehearsals, you know, get a liquor store and practice robberies. You know, he also talked about slavery a lot on his show. On yeah, um, yeah. the streets were, you know, slavery was a bad thing, but that the streets were um, safer after dark. You know, he said that stupid and unskilled Mexicans should do only unskilled jobs. And let's not forget his AIDS update where he mocked dying people that were gay, well, that were dying from AIDS. Well, and people, I'm not even getting into the misogyny. And this is just this much. Like, let's remember him as that asshole. They, they, people forget that they made the, that ABC made the bad decision of putting him on Monday Night Football at one point. Oh yes, they um, did. and they he lasted there for four weeks until he made the decision to say that uh, that black quarterback Donovan McNabb wasn't really that good, but the media really wants to make a black quarterback um, more famous than he is, <laughs> and and then he had to leave that job. So it's it's like wow. you know, it's it, he, he yeah. was just garbage in, garbage you know out. Yeah, whether, like, if some people even say, well, you know, he really probably didn't believe all this. He was just doing it for shock value and shame it. on him. Whether, yeah, but what my point is that even if he didn't believe any of this stuff, that's shameful that, you know what, that you would still bring yourself to say these disgusting things. And like I said, I'm not even going to get into the misogyny. I'm not even going to get into what he said about, you know, women, even though, you know, they have an easier life that they get to live. That's why they live longer. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just everything that he said. So, you know what? Yeah. Am I sad that he's gone? No. Do I wish death on anybody? No. But am I going to feel bad for saying the things I'm saying about this guy because he's dead? No, absolutely not. Because he was a fucking asshole and let's remember him. I, I just want to hey, you're just one. using his word, own words against him. <laughs> I, I want to I relay one funny moment, though. So this morning, as soon as I saw it, the first thing I did was text Tanya, who does our the opening of our show, and say, oh, my God, Tanya, you killed Rush Limbaugh. Because I don't know if anybody remembers, but like four days ago, five days ago, there was a joke in there that said uh, that said um, the the producers of the Rush Limbaugh show after Rush uh, missed another show this week asked people to pray, um, and so she went like this and said, "Okay, is he gone yet?" And, and now four days later, he's gone. 
Oh. So Tanya killed Rush Limbaugh. Just what? Thank Tanya Harris when you get a chance. Listen, Thanks, if, that, Tanya. If, that, if, that, if, that, if there's nothing more ironic, <laughs> if it was if it was a black woman that wished death upon him, it happened. Oh, during Black History Month. During Black History Month. Oh, he's fucked up. <laughs> he's in the after like pissed. <laughs> I also want to end with this quote that I've been seeing all over the internet today. Um, it's by Clarence Darrow from The Story of My Life, 19 from 1932. All men have an emotion to kill. When they strongly dislike someone, they involuntarily wish he was dead. I have never killed anyone, but I have read some obituary notices with great satisfaction. So that is our show for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you back here again tomorrow at 6 p.m. when we're going to talk about music. So it's going to be a fun show. Have a good night, everyone, and stay safe. Thank you, Tanya Harris. You met.